1: Football
0: Social Daily, Premier League updates. Hello, all. welcome to Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast you can find, which means it is the best one. I've got Corn over there, we've got Steve McNaughton over mate. there. They're in the hot seat ready to talk about today's Premier League news. I'm Jim Salverson. Here's what we've got on the agenda for today's podcast. We're going to be talking Moneyball as the world's most expensive football squads are revealed. There will be no prizes for guessing (laughs) who tops that list. We're going to be previewing England's 2020 qualifier against Kosovo, which is happening tonight, and looking at some of England's bright young Premier League stars. Should they get a start under Gareth Southgate in this evening's game? And we're going to start... With Daniel James, the Manchester United and Wales winger who scored again last night, this time for Wales and is fast proving himself to be a real up-and-coming star in the world of football. And with that performance last night and with his performances so far this season have Manchester United got themselves an absolute bargain with this player, does it look like?
1: Yes, I think they have, yeah. I think when um, when he was signed by, by Man United in summer I think it was 15 million quid, weren't it? They 15 paid million, him? yeah. I don't think any of us expect him to be a starter for them mm. and he's turned himself into a starter and he's he's a real handful he's got bags of pace and, and he knows where the back of the net is as well and he scores some spectacular goals I've been very impressed with him almost envious that uh, they signed him really He's kind of benefited from the poor
0: squad planning that Manchester United have had. In a similar way to when Louis van Gaal was forced to play Marcus Rashford in his breakthrough season due to injury, Mm. because the United squad is so threadbare at the moment and they're lacking in certain positions, he's been forced to take a first-team berth probably sooner than we'd imagine. And he's just... Grab the ball by the horns. You
2: got to say fair play to him because he has performed really well first few weeks of the season. All I would say, the cynic in me would say, what happens if he stops scoring goals? Mm. What happens then? I mean, is he making a rod for his own back? Because as a wide player. Nowadays wide players are expected to score more goals. You see uh, a 4-3-3, the front three of many teams nowadays uh, are where all the goals come from. Liverpool for example, goals, goals, goals. Um if Daniel James stops scoring goals, and you can't expect him to score 15-20 goals this season even though he's already got a few now. You can't it's his he's first three. season. It's yeah, his first a- season in the Premier League though. Is he he making it too difficult for himself? Because we know, we talk about scapegoating at Manchester (laughs) United. I
0: kind of get what you're saying, but at the same time, it's complete nonsense. (laughs) It's like, like, yeah, I get what you're saying, victim of his own success. And he's setting a high bar that can he possibly go on to repeat that for the rest of the season or in future seasons. But at the same time, you play to the best of your ability and you can't, there can't be negatives to starting a season on fire. No, Surely. no, no.
2: There's no negatives to starting a season on fire. But I'm just saying, if he stops scoring goals, what are Manchester United going to do? Hmm. Aside from being, well, relegated. This, this, is, the problem. Uh, this aside, is the problem at United, aside, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And aside from beating Chelsea 4-0 on the first day of the season, if you take away Daniel James's goals from Manchester United, they've not actually been that important. The only one that would have rescued them a point was against Southampton, where hmm. he scored and it finished 1-1. It was, well, a, one,
1: you know.
2: it was a 1-1 draw against Wolves. Wouldn't have made any difference. They lost 2 1 to Crystal Palace. His goal, the only United goal in that game. If you take that away, wouldn't have made any difference. United still would have lost the game. So you're looking here, uh, he's he's basically gained Manchester United a point. Yeah. Even though Southampton equalised, Manchester United are in the lead. But that's a point he's gained. If, if Daniel James didn't score against Southampton, they would have lost that game. They're currently eighth with five points with three goal difference. If you took Daniel James's goals away, They'd have zero goal difference. They'd be on four points, mm. which would put them down into twelfth, which is below Sheffield United. I get what you're below Chelsea, who like, What's wrong with well? you today? Nothing. I'm just hey. I'm <laughs> just saying. I'm just you're saying, saying right. there's fine margins I'm at play I'm saying it's here. extremely fine margins at play. And the goals he scored have been brilliant. How many times do you see players pick up the ball and stick it in the top corner? He's done it two or three times mm. now. He did it last night, although it was sort of middle of the net. But he loves that finish, doesn't he? Yeah. On the angle, apex All of right. the penalty area, cutting off curling in.
0: The goal can he, he for Wales last night was pretty much the same. Well, how often can copy? he keep cur- curling the ball in the top corner? I think there's an element at the moment of him being an unknown quantity. Yeah, I think I a lot of us would put our hands up and say, when he signed for... United from Swansea were like, I don't really know that much about this guy. He seems to Mm -hmm. be, even though he played a couple of seasons at Swansea, he was kind of off my radar. Certainly didn't play that many times. And I'm sure Premier League defenders are the same thing. They're not used to him. They haven't managed to examine his gameplay in the top division that much yet. But on the subject of the fine margins, if you look at the fine margins you're talking about and the idea that, yeah, it's only one point, it's goals that haven't been that important. If you look at the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. it's one point from five that Manchester United have got. So... 20% 20% of their points this season, he is directly influenced. It's three goals <laughs> out of, I don't know how many goals United have scored this season, I'd guess eight, seven, maybe think. seven. Yeah. Okay, so he's scored around 50% of their goals. If you move that to the end of the season and go, right, this player has scored just under 50% of your goals and won you 20% of your points, he is a key member of your squad. There is very little else that can hold a torch to that.
1: Points of views, isn't it? It's all about different point of views. It's
2: I, We're five games into the season... Daniel James on fire, three goals in four in the Premier League, scoring for Wales. Confidence up, it's brilliant. I, I'm I'm excited to see what he can
0: deliver. Can we start calling him the new Gareth Bale? No, now? it's too <laughs> early. <laughs> you, you, you asked, is he the bargain of the summer? We're
2: five games, we're five games into the <laughs> season. Okay,
0: so if you if he isn't the bargain of the summer, and I know it's early to make this call, but <laughs> it's so it's early. So to, early,
2: first international break. <laughs> who's the Who's the signing of the summer? Who uh, else, I, I've who got else would to be? be
0: after the first month? Who yeah. would you say was? Even close to him in terms of making an impact, Andy Lonigan. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Other end of the career yeah. completely. I
1: think uh, Daniel James has done done well. Yeah, um, he has, I mean, yeah. I've not looked at it, you know, forensically like 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 you guys have, but I think I'm pretty impressed with him. Um, I think he's a shining light in in what hasn't been a great start to the season yeah. again for United, and he's someone that uh, the United fans can go. Actually, you know what? We're gonna, we're going to be super positive about this, guys. Twenty-one. He's got loads of years and games ahead of him and he can become a real important player for United, mm. I think. We've discussed it a lot on the podcast, there isn't enough goals in that Man United team. No. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the front three don't score enough goals for him. And I think he's going to be quite important to me because if he can get himself up to double figures this mm. season, you know who knows where Man United are going to finish, but I've just got a feeling that he's going to be a vital cog in that machine this season. Do you know what I think is quite significant about him as well is he's kind of setting the
0: blueprint Manchester United. Solskjaer's gone in there and he's gone, I want a young, hungry, fast playing football team. And he is the archetypal player that kind of fits that bill. So if he can go in there and prove that this player can be a success, that gives Solskjaer ammunition with not only the fans, but also the board and
1: any future transfers. To trust his judgment. It kind of helps his cause a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, but he can't keep shopping in the championship though for players, can he?
2: Daniel James would be up there. If, you talk, if you're talking about the best summer signing so far after four or five games of the season, I think you have to put him up there, yeah. 100%. I'd also go probably with Danny Fabiós from Arsenal. Um, yeah, who's he's obviously he's on loan from Real Madrid, isn't he? But he's started the season really well, I think, he's well for He started it
1: okay, I think. I think he's had decent games against Burnley and uh, I can't remember who had another well, decent game. But he went, he, he went missing at Anfield. He's
0: looked quite strong in a uh, Arsenal assists. team that haven't looked massively impressive. So yeah. far this year. I think Sebastian Haller looks like a good shout this yeah, season well, he's, as well. he's
1: on three goals, isn't he, in two games. Is that yeah. right? Looks very strong. Looks, looks like he's adapting yeah. to the league quickly as yeah. well.
0: Yeah. Speaking of transfers, let's move on to the most expensive football teams in the world. <laughs> it has been revealed the cost of every squad across the top leagues in Europe and they've been compared against each other. This isn't anything to do with commercial power or anything like that or the value of a squad now. It's the amount that has been directly invested in a playing personnel. I've got the top 10 here. I want to see how many of you boys can guess within that top 10. I think number one, you don't get any prizes for guessing who number one is.
2: Uh, it's like Family Fortunes when you know something's going to be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you got that X buzzer just in case I'm wrong? Yeah. Uh, Newcastle... No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: Manchester City would be up there, surely. Manchester City have become the first ever £1 billion team. £1 billion I went through
2: all the as the anorak I am went through all the players went through their transfer fees and added them all up. Mm. The figure I got and this is giving Manchester City the benefit of the doubt by the way. So I've got all the fees these most of them are undisclosed or in the region of or we're translating them from euros to it's in euros it's in euros yeah, so there we euros. go there there's the answer 780 million pounds is it's the cies is, football observatory yeah. so by the way, so it, it would be discuss. it's one billion euros then that would be accurate so it's about 800 million pounds so okay so we're agreeing it's accurate that's, that's accurate what, now that's in how euros we've got. Got a <laughs> but i mean i even gave manchester city the benefit of the doubt here so i've not included scott carson whether he's there's a loan fee for him i don't know so mm. i've not included him a lot of these players will have add-ons as well. So, I mean, I've not included any of these add-ons at all. So, obviously, you know, for instance, Bernardo Silva was signed for 43.5 million pounds by Manchester City initial fee, which was rising to 62 million with add-ons. So, you'd presume if Manchester City win the Champions League, they're low 62 million euros. Mm. You're looking at players like Angelino, who's just come back. There's a buyback clause. João Cancelo cost Manchester City 60 million, but Danilo went in part exchange, so there's 27.5 million swing there. So I've given them the benefit of the doubt of the 27.5 million. So still £780.7 million. I mean, pounds it's spent. no
0: shock, Manchester City have spent money. That's mm. not going to get any headlines at all.
1: It's and the... that's why they've got the watchdogs all over them, isn't it? Yeah, I'll
2: t- tell you what it is. its is. They've never broken the world record, which they're quite proud of as a club. You yeah. hear Khaldun al Mubarak, who's like the head of the city football group. He does interviews once every six months or so with the club. Um, he's obviously based in the UAE. And he often sort of prides himself on the fact, we've spent money, yeah, but we've not broken the record. But if you look, a lot of their players cost roughly around £50 million. Um Aside from Edison, who's a goalkeeper slightly different, you look here, Laporte, 57, Stones, 50, Mendy, 52. Cancelo, 60, but par exchange, as I said before. Walker, 50. Rodri, 62. Uh, Fernandinho and Gundogan were slightly less. De Bruyne, 55. Sterling, 50. Sane, 46.5. Bernardo, anywhere between 45 and 62, as we said. Mahrez, 60. And Aguero was 35
0: million. That was undisclosed, so it could well be more than that. For the most part, you'd look at that and go, good business. Right the way across the board. Good investments in good players with the occasional blip on that radar as well. I think when you look at it, I mean, you know, Man City are always going to have spent money because they had aspirations to be the greatest team in European or world football. And they were probably starting from further back than a lot of the other teams that have similar aspirations. So they're always going to be up there. And you look at the other teams in the list, the top 10, City, PSG, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Juventus, Barcelona, Liverpool, Chelsea, Atletico and Arsenal FC. I know what you're going to say, Steve. You're going to say this doesn't take into account the outgoings as well because a team like Liverpool has been quite frugal in the transfer market in terms of players being sold as players being bought in as well. The interesting thing from this league table was the difference between the top teams and the bottom teams in each league because we complain in the Premier League that there is a massive gulf between, say, Manchester City and Norwich. The difference between Manchester City and Norwich in terms of valuation is... The Manchester City team is 32 times the value of Norwich's team. Okay, which seems like quite a lot. You take that to La Liga, the difference between Mallorca and Real Madrid, 148 times the value. So Mm. actually... The cavernous difference so between those, the Premier League is amplified massively when you go to a, a league like La Liga.
2: So those muppets then that say La Liga is <laughs> the best league in the <laughs> world need to look at that chart and actually change their mind. Although La Liga's got some brilliant players, it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid. Back in the day, you had Valencia, who were a good side. You know, Deportivo were a good side. They got relegated, didn't yeah. they? We've not really seen seen them since, to be honest, in terms of the top end of La Liga. So. I think that just goes to show that when we say the Premier League is the best league in the world even though there's a 32 times difference between Norwich who spent a million quid in the summer and Manchester City who spent, you know, over 100 million yeah. then you know you have to say that the Premier League is the most competitive and probably most loved work league in the world because of that reason because the gulf between the top and the bottom as big as it is now probably isn't as big as some of the other leagues out there.
0: No, well, Bundesliga and Syria both Bigger gaps than the Premier League as well. The I also ones... don't. Sorry, I don't sorry.
1: also don't buy La Liga is is you know the, the best league in the world. You only have to look at who who won the um, Europa League and who won the Champions League mm. this season and, and the the um, you know how they were represented in the semi-finals and knockout rounds of them competitions as well. There's no way anyone can, in all seriousness, say. That La Liga is better than the Premier League in my opinion. Because in... if you t- take them two teams out, Real Madrid and Barcelona, you've got an half decent mm. league, haven't you? You've got not not got anything spectacular, and I, I just think that the Premier League is 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 miles ahead of La Liga. And it might be a big shout. Used to be in some
0: way to do with the style of play, and La Liga became famous for this. Very fluid attacking football, but I'm not sure that's really the case anymore.
1: It don't work because you know they're not they're it's, not winning European trophies. I tell
0: you why no. it's
2: nonsense because the only games that anyone ever sees on TV are Real Madrid or Barcelona, El Clásico, yeah, yeah. or an El Clásico, or a Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid. You don't see Granada versus Hatafe. Some football fans do, and I don't want to discredit those people that do obviously love the the Spanish league, but you don't see you know Granada versus Hitafe or no. Sporting Hijom versus but whoever. You don't, yeah, you don't you don't see these games, so you um, can't really talk about the quality of football until you've seen those games but in terms of the difference in class it's clearly a factor into why the Premier
0: League I think is the best Speaking of differences in class we're going to speak about England's next Euro 2020 qualifier they're playing Kosovo and we'll talk about that next on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Football Social Daily Premier League Updates Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Make sure you've subscribed to the show and make sure you give us a rating and review on iTunes as well so you never miss an episode and we can share the love with you as well. Right, let's talk about England. may not feel like a proper game, this for England, against Kosovo in the Euro 2020 qualifiers because qualifiers rarely do when it comes to England, I don't think, heading towards a big tournament. But check how much the Kosovan manager... I don't know how to say his surname. I think it's Bernard Chalades in his press conference. Check out how excited he Interesting.
1: was.
2: It's a tactical pressing. In a crazy game, it's go, return, go, 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 go.
1: <laughs> it's, it's not tactic. Perhaps it's not right. I, will, uh, I want to, 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 to win the ball. I want to
0: disturb. Sushi perhaps he lose the ball and we score I mean he sounds slightly in his delivery like Eric Cantona at times doesn't he he's kind of got that enthusiasm and inflection in his voice but Kosovo are going to be up for this one it's not going to be as much of a walkover as the Bulgaria match was
2: let me tell you about Kosovo you tell me about Kosovo now. (laughs) not enlighten us (laughs) a a newly a newly entered team into UEFA Mm -hmm. if you know if you're talking about teams like Gibraltar Kosovo they're one of the sort of new crop of teams that have made entry into, into UEFA. Well, Kosovo
0: we didn't exist as a country. <laughs> well, they weren't, reco- they weren't
2: recognised, recently. were yeah. they? 16 games unbeaten yeah, at international level for a country the size of Kosovo with the resources they have is an unbelievable record and achievement. And like you say, Jim, this will be a tougher test for England than the Bulgaria game, which leads to questions as to why Gareth Southgate decided to... Rotate. N- yeah, rotate the squad against Bulgaria. Um, mm. Although it's a 4-0 victory, a routine victory, you'd think that maybe... Southgate would have tried a few different partnerships and mm. I think everyone wants to see Sancho, Sterling and Kane all well, Rashford thing, in there and everyone wants to see these different Madison didn't get a game you know these are the some of the most exciting young players in the Premier League Sancho one of the most exciting young players in Europe so I mean I think Gareth Southgate maybe might be taking a bit of a risk by saving some of these less experienced England players, Madison—he hasn't played a game for England yet. He's been called up to the squad, but he's not played his first ever game for the country yet. So Saturday would have been a good opportunity. It would have it? been a good opportunity, and I don't want to say bleed him in because you can't bleed someone in after one game, but certainly give him a taste of it, bring him off the bench or something. Mm. Because, like you say, Kosovo will be bang up for this, and although I expect England to win. It's not going to be as easy as people think. You might exactly think like it might be like a
1: 1-0 or a 2-1 or something like that. Uh, I'm not sure. I
2: think, Eng- I think England will be comfortable. I-, I just think it's going to be a bit of a scrap.
1: Well, they like to press quite high, don't they? I say
2: this now Cosmo are going to go and get beaten 5-0 or something. But mm. in terms of England qualifiers, and the reason nobody gets enthused about them is because England always win. Mm. If you look at Roy Hodgson's England record, 58.9% win percentage. That's an incredible record. Mm. Eight games Roy Hodgson lost as manager of England, hmm. most of them in tournaments.
0: Well, this is it. Does In uh,
2: qualification, England don't really ever lose. They always qualify. Does yeah, that success do
0: well. in qualification mean we aren't quite as ready for the major tournaments when they come around? Because we have these quali- we're, we're very good at qualifying, and hence we go into pot one every single time, which means we come out with relatively easy draws, particularly when you Escaping look at some the of the other gongs, groups. Yeah. yeah, which means when we come up against bigger teams in tournaments and we saw it at the world cup when we played two good teams and lost three times to them and they were the only decent teams we played across the entire tournament so we're not going into these big tournaments prepared because we haven't got that
1: experience against the top teams in europe i think it's a good shout that to be fair jim i think when i look at the group uh, and it's not a strong group england have got this time czech republic Republic, bulgaria montenegro it, 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 they're all whipping boys, really. You know, for the team of England's calibre. So I, I really jinxing the game tonight. No, I don't. <laughs> Kosovo as well. You know, home and away, I'd be expecting a win against against mm. them. Home and away, I think you're right in what you say that they're not getting tested enough, and the only time they are getting tested is in these big friendlies when the likes of Paris come to uh, Paris, uh, France, come to Wembley, yeah. and then other other players are getting a, a run out while they experiment and see how they get on, you know, and handle the international stage. Mm. Um, so I think there is something in that, and I think. Um, I mean, it's good because, you know, you're watching England, you know that you're going to get some goals in the games, uh, looking at that group that they're in, but mm. they, they need Sterner tests, no doubt. England tend to,
2: when they come up against the stronger teams, not play as well, which is understandable. You'd, you'd expect that. But I think now England have got a better chance because the form that some of these players are in is absolutely scintillant. I mean, who can't get excited about Kane, Sterling, Jaden Sancho? All oh, it's of these a great players are so players. exciting. To I know England fans get carried away. This is going to be our World Cup, lads. You know, it always happens every that's the every four years. media in this country, it, though, it that's is. Responsible it is, and, and I think this summer or, or twenty eighteen summer, nobody really had that many expectations. And England sort of exceeded expectations, got to the semi finals. Like Steve says, I think if the quality of opposition was cranked up, then I think England would be able to take it to the next level. I genuinely do. And I think the problem is, is the way it's seeded. So England always do well in qualifications. So they always get put into pot one because they're always in the top 10 teams ranked in the world just because they're always so good in qualifying. So it's kind of this endless cycle. So England either actually need to get worse to face harder opposition...
0: Well, the Nations League is going to help this have some to play way. more teams mm-hmm. in friendlies. Because the, Na- the Nations League has been designed so... To get rid of the meaningless friendlies. Yeah, legs, exactly. It? It means so you can face on, yeah. stronger opposition going forward. Yeah. So who do you want to see tonight? We know Kosovo is going to be a bit of a test. They've got this amazing unbeaten record. I mean, some of that is going to be due to the home games they play because it's an incredibly intimidating place to go. But you can't have a 15-match unbeaten run without winning away as well. But you would fancy England to win. We want to see these youngsters in the team get a chance. It seems like Alexander-Arnold, Ben Chilwell, um, Sancho are all going to start tonight's game. How Hmm. else do you want to see us line up? For me, the one thing I don't want to see is two holding midfielders again. Mm. which just seems pointless against these smaller European nations. Yeah, he's got to be
1: a bit bolder, hasn't he? I think for me, uh, I've got... The biggest question I have about England is is in goalkeeper. Um, I'm I'm not convinced on on Pickford at all. Nothing to do with Uh, him playing for Everton? Well, it's nothing to do with Everton. But genuinely, I think... um, he, he, I think he's overrated as a goalkeeper, I agree, actually. and I think I would like to see if if he's gonna you know mess about with it. I'd like to see Tom Heaton or Nick Pope get some minutes yeah. just to see how they handle it in an mm. England shirt and see how solid they are. But also, I don't think we're blessed at centre back uh, this, this time. I'm looking at the squad and he's got Michael Keane and Harry Maguire who've done a job at the weekend, but. It was Bulgaria uh, and he's got um, uh, Joe Gomez who who hasn't had the best start to the season at Liverpool, I don't think. I'm, mm. I'm a big fan of him, He's still a really young guy, but I think this se- the start of the season hasn't been particularly strong for him. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd be interested in Ty- Tyrone Mings getting some minutes and seeing how he gets along because I think he's been brilliant for, mm. for Villa this season. Um, I called it on the podcast a little while ago and said I think he'd get in the squad this season but midfield and attack England are are sensational.
2: I'd like to see uh, Mason Mount get a game at some point. Interestingly, Phil Foden was never called up to the England squad but Mason Mount was and obviously Mason Mount's been getting game time more so under Lampard than Foden's been getting under under Pep. Scored twice last night. He should should be getting his chance soon.
0: This was on my list of... Topic to talk about actually because we you look at the england team at the moment you look at the young players who are in the that team or in and around the team rashford sterling rice alex dar arnold mason mount james madison all have one thing in common and they're all getting regular game time for their clubs phil foden is still despite the fact we've talked about him being the next big thing for probably two seasons now is still very much on the periphery of man city's because they'll go and buy Thirsty. another midfielder. They'll yeah. just go so out and summon and like he... spend 60 million quid on uh, the midfielder. And I know City fans hate the suggestion that he needs to leave to develop properly, but actually, does he?
2: David Silva's leaving Manchester City at the end of the yeah. season.
0: I
1: just think they'll I... buy, though, Niall. You really do. But I that's just the think big test go on. I don't buy. That's the big test in I how don't think much faith Guardiola has on him.
2: Well, I'll tell you why not. You say about authorities keeping an eagle eye on City. If they do get a transfer ban, if FFP comes in... They've got an option, mm. much like Chelsea have an option in, although they're injured. Loftus-Cheek, hudson O'Doy players coming through the academy. Phil Foden could be that replacement, that heir to David Silver. It's a lot of pressure to take on to replace a guy who's been so successful and Arguably pro- probably, the best one player. Of, probably Manchester City's greatest ever
0: player. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think so. when,
2: until Aguero retires. But it's not leads. like you're
0: immediately heaping that pressure onto him because David Silver has slowly faded out of... Maybe well, the first eleven over the last couple of seasons, look at, hasn't he? Look
2: at Bernardo Silva how good he was last season. Pep hasn't really favoured him too much this season so far, Bernardo. Phil Foden could get his chance not this season but next season. I think that's the time for him. If Daddy Silva leaves and then that's Foden's If he time.
0: doesn't, is that the time for him to go, right, I need to I need to start playing f- proper first team football now?
1: I do agree with what you're saying to a certain extent. I think next season could be big for Phil Foden, but I think he's got to have to trust the Pep you know, to kick on and, and get a regular run in that team. But if it's going to be next season that we're talking about with him,
2: send him out on loan for six months. Yeah, I can't see Pep doing that. And also, Phil you know, Foden plays a totally different... People say, what about Jadon Sancho? He left to go to Dortmund, got some football. He's It's a totally different position. There's a lot more risk for a manager to play Phil Foden than it is to play uh, a young winger, you know. He is 19. Uh, Well, so Sancho. But this is the thing. It's a lot more risky for a manager to play a young player through the middle of the park in what's quite a pivotal position. I mean, Mm. central midfield players, they're the ones that dictate the pace of the game, really. Um, So, you know, that's a lot of responsibility to put on him. And then whereas you have a winger... You know, you can kind of get away with more as a wide player, yeah. I think. As an attacking player... And you can drag you him of, if necessary, you can't know, yeah.
1: exactly, so... Another fact that, just to throw into the mix on it as well, is I think that the problem that Man City and Liverpool have is that they're just trying to, out, to keep up with each other every weekend or, or outdo each other if mm. someone slips up a little bit. So he's not got that... Can't R- risk it. He, he can't risk it, yeah. uh, whereas Liverpool whereas have quite a settled that's midfield. That's the same at every single club, up but and down the, the country. The stakes aren't as high, though, Jim, are they? First, the stakes I aren't know, as high I as Liverpool that. and Man City... You know, if you're Man United. I think they you... are
0: as high, but I think the levels aren't as high. So I think it's more an issue of a player being able to step up and play directly in a Liverpool and Man City squad. It is very different to someone stepping up and playing in Burnley's first team. The stakes are as high. It's as important, but it's very different to reach Burnley's level on your debut as it is to reach Man City's See,
1: level. Man United have played McTominay quite a bit, uh, you know, because they're in a position where he can do that. But I just think that. Pep's probably weighing up and just saying to his coaching team, should I start with Phil Foden this weekend." And I, oh, but you know, but Liverpool are away at Burnley, mm. you know, and th- I, that's got to be the strategy around it. And I, I rate Foden. I think he's really good, and I think it, you know, it, like like Nile said, it's pivotal time for him. Uh, you know, come the end of the season when David Silver moves on, um, and we'll see what happens. I've just got a feeling that Man City will just go and buy someone else again, uh, and I just think he'll be part of the, the Premier League 25, and maybe not in the Champions League squad, or maybe he is because he's homegrown, obviously, but. Um, I just, no, I'm not that optimistic about yeah. it. Okay. You know, tonight against Kosovo, I want to see Sancho, Kane, Sterling, Madison. Okay. All starting. I think it's uh, everyone wants to see Madison. I rate Madison really highly, uh, and I've, again, I think he's going to have a great season.
0: Right, we're out of time, but before we go, let's we don't often do predictions. Let's do a couple of
1: predictions I've for got tonight's a prediction. game. I want I want scoreline and I want first goal scorer. Okay, I'm going to go for 3-0 to England, Raheem Sterling. And the other prediction I've got is that the cost-four manager will be managing Newcastle by the end of the season.
0: (laughs) (laughs) After that press conference, i would be happy with that. I'd love to see him in the Premier League. Go on, now what are you going
2: for? 3-1. It was between 3 or 4 there. So I'm going to go 3-1 to England. Mm. And I think the first goal scorer will be Harry Kane again.
0: Penalty. I'm going to go much more reserved. I'm going to say 2-1. But the first goal, I don't know any Kosovo players, but it's going to go to Kosovo and it's going to be a mistake at the back from their high press and it's going to shake England to start it off just, <laughs> just to do something a little bit different
2: have <laughs> you done request a bet yet just see how much <laughs> you got on that oh, yeah <laughs> of...
0: you get good odds for that if anyone puts a bet on that we're splitting the <laughs> outcome yeah. boys thank you very much Cheers. that's it for Football Social Daily for today we'll be back tomorrow with another episode make sure you're subscribed and make sure you yeah, finish scratching your face there Steve <laughs> just it's in the background so like you've got scabies or something <laughs> uh, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode don't forget you can get the sports social skill as well just say Alexa Open Sports Social, and you can get match reports and daily team updates for every single Premier League team. We'll see you next time. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.